Just a quick word before we start this podcast. At the time of release, I'm preparing to run 10k, 10 kilometers on May the 22nd, 2022. I'm trying to raise as much money as I can to send over to Ukraine to provide medical aid and assistance. So please go to my GoFundMe page, Toby's Wheezing and Groaning for 10k for Ukraine. There's a link in the blurb that's easier and there's links pinned to my Twitter pages. That would be really, really helpful if you could send even the smallest amount. Every little, as they say, helps. Thanks very much, and here's the podcast. Groo, it's another Doctor Who podcast, but this one's different. It's called Happy Times and Places, and nobody's allowed to be mean about anything. We have to accentuate the positive. I, Toby Haydock, have to guess my guests' favourite things about their chosen story. Hi, Toby. Uh, this is Lawrence Clark. I'm a stand-up comedian, writer, screenwriter, and playwright. And the story that I picked for your podcast is Terminus. <laughs> Well, welcome everybody to the second instalment of Terminus, which, as you've heard, has been chosen by the comedian Lawrence Clark, who was lucky enough to be loitering around on set and treated very well by the sounds of it by Doctor Who himself, Peter Davison. Uh, and so uh, if, if you read the history uh, of the story, is perhaps the only person to have emerged from the recording uh, of uh, Terminus with many happy memories. Uh, but let's see, it's always been a story I've kind of felt the need to stick up for because people people aren't terribly kind about it. And I think it's got some interesting things going on. Although anybody that heard part one of this instalment of Happy Times and Places might go, but Toby, you, you didn't have an awful lot that was nice to say about part one. But part one is, it takes a while to get round to being about Terminus, that's why. Um, but anyway... Um, Let's see what we let's see how we do with part two uh, when uh, the plot arrives. Uh, so I'm paused between episodes one and two on my DVD and I'm going to press play in three, two, one. Uh, oh, and I get a chance to. Oh, no, I'm not. Uh, so I am. <laughs> I am. Now, I might forget to edit this because I don't listen to... So, uh, uh, I actually wasn't paused between parts one and two. Uh, I am on episode selection, and I'm going to press enter on part two in three, two, one. Uh, so, I actually, I do get a chance to, uh, to view again uh, Dominic Guard's... Uh, now we know, don't we? Now we know what it's all about, which I think is a lovely script-wise. is a lovely, is a lovely uh, end of episode where you suddenly go, oh heck! So this is why, this is why this ship is sort of abandoned. Uh, and as I say, it 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 brings with it a lot of um, imagery and 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 fear and sort of biblical fear because because when I did as I say when I did RE, there were stories of leper colonies and lepers feature. Quite, quite prominently, don't they, in, the, in sort of miraculous cures and things like that. So there's something sort of ancient 
uh, about them and, and, and biblical, which always gives, you know, a sense of grandeur, but also a sense of, you know, when I, you're learning about it, you sort of go, oh, well, thank goodness we've wiped that out and don't have that anymore. So to suddenly have it in the future in space, that's a nice, you know, that's a that's a nice conglomeration of, of fears. Um, yeah, no, we don't. Yeah, it, um, but I, I, I do like the fact that you've got the Doctor and Co sort of on the move while this is happening it just gives a bit of a bit of energy and drive to it but now, now they're sort of trapped against the wall so it's it's the cliffhanger for the doctor even though it's olvia doing the speaking that's that's quite cleverly uh, um sort of told in a sense the visual grammar to, to still have the doctor the focus of it uh although again they, they you know they're, they're they're clambering from one small it's it's not just corridors there are a few staircases in this story as well so okay we've got the arrival of a new spaceship um and and terminus seems to be this sort of scaffolding in space which is which is quite novel um yeah we like lisa goddard's hair um uh so yeah i, re I remember the, the learning about uh, lep lepers in 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 Arian, and there was the, there was this guy who'd been canonized he became a saint uh and and, and I, it's a story that always stuck with me where you know he was working to help uh, a leper colony and, and and treat people uh and he accidentally poured boiling water on his foot uh, and and when he didn't feel anything he realized that oh i have it too and that always stuck me that moment of realization where you know it's i suspect he probably you know, saw coming, but but in that moment where you go, oh, okay, that's me. I'm going to die, uh, and perfectly avoidably because because the the reason he was in harm's way is because he's put himself there to to help people. But of course, there's the there's the slight there's the there's the idea that the diseased people are stigmatized. I know there was a little bit of controversy about that when this this story went out. Um, that you know, but but I. I, I I don't think there's a cruelty about it. I think, as I say, it's invoking because there are, there are, are still parts of the world where it's an issue. But I think, um, I, I you know I I see it more as invoking the biblical rather than reflecting anything that's going on in deprived parts of the world. So I don't think, you know, I I I, I, I don't think it's being, and uh, you know I don't think I, I could see why. Um, you know, people with a, a a special uh, interest in wanting the awareness of of the condition to be correct would object. I absolutely understand that, but uh, um, I can also understand why they felt it was okay to have it in the story. And I, I you know, um, these film sequences look so good, don't they? Um, uh, it's just such a shame that they are this beautiful quality gloriously lit you know you can see the reflection of the grills against the wall uh this this you know high end looking stuff is for stuff the story could really do without uh which is essentially sidelining tegan and turlo in the middle two episodes oh and you see that's you know nissa nissa has the disease that's the moment isn't it that's the pouring the 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 boiling water on the foot but it's it's telling us the viewer oh no you know and and so you know the companion in peril how is she going to get out of this especially as we soon learn that the uh the 
the the way that uh, the Lazar disease is cured is pretty hit and miss and mostly miss. That's a nice image of of Dominic Gard, you know, hiding in the shadows, ashamed. Uh, I think that's very human, uh, and I like it. A brilliant shot of a ladder and some feet. Yeah, this is worth the really expensive film stock uh, and the attention to detail of the beautiful lighting. <laughs> I I now I'd always thought that 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 Tolo sort of kept kept his his school jacket on. I I rather like this uh, this waistcoat that he's got on. I I I think the first thing you'd do though, wouldn't you? You'd get rid of your tie. Um, that's the the costuming thing, isn't it? No, we uh, we have to know it's Turlo because he still dresses as a schoolboy. Whereas, of course, everybody who's a school who goes to school and wears a school uniform knows is the first thing you do when you get the opportunity uh, when you're wearing a school uniform is to get out of your school uniform. But I suppose that's going. Ah, look, he's so alien. He even likes his school uniform. Ah, <laughs> oh, this is very sweet. Um, and I love his boots. I, I think we get a good shot of them uh, later. I seem to recall there's lots of shots of feet going down steps in this story. I don't know why. Oh, yes. What, what do you remember of Doctor Who? Oh, I remember the monsters coming out of the sea. Oh, I remember the alien with the one eye and the squiggly face. Oh, I remember hands coming out of the earth. I remember lots of shots of metal staircases <laughs> with, with feet walking down them. Um... And, yeah, and I like I, I like the backstory of they supposedly offer a cure. Yeah, so so who so if if nobody ever comes back, what I, I don't quite know what's going on. Do you send them there anyway? In the just the, in the hope that seems a bit it seems a bit odd to get away with that level of customer service. Who are you? We're the people that cure the Lazars. How many have you cured? Precisely none. Well, we'll send you our lasers anyway. I, th I, th I think. I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert on capitalist economies, um, but I think, you know, uh, ca capitalism succeeds where there is a gap in the market and somebody, uh, some entrepreneur, dives in. And I, 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 it wasn't the somebody hanging around the centre of the known universe that went, you know, you know, the only people, the people who've got the monopoly on laser cure. Uh, are currently not curing any Lazars. I mean, if we just cured three, uh, I think I, I, we'll, we'll offer a discount. You know, we'll we'll cure we'll cure at least one one of your fifty Lazars or your money back. Uh, that's still better than what's what's being offered at the moment. Uh, but this is this is me who, not having seen this story for a while. So maybe. I've I've missed something important, but I do seem to recall because when I got and again the veneer costume on film looks absolutely fantastic, and the red of that cloak and the armor there—it's Arak, isn't it? Because he's got the red cloak on. Looks absolutely magnificent uh, over that grill and with the film film camera underneath and, and capturing it on that you know on that film stock. And for the rest of it, the rest of its time on screen, it's clattery and on videotape. <laughs> and here is another actor, Martin Potter, who a bit like Dominic Gard was a beautiful young man. Martin Potter was in Satyricon, wasn't he? Um, uh, uh, you know, had a, had a couple of uh, sort of moments in the spotlight. Well, he did a Robin Hood as well, didn't he, that George Galaccio did. Um, 
but you you expect those actors to sort of shine and be beautiful and then sort of retire um you know because they never the they, they, they never again could you know recapture their beautiful youth so they were and and uh, fellini no longer returned their calls or, or whatever you know um uh, so they went and you know lived somewhere romantic and wrote poetry and somehow lived as these these successful these actors who have these brief flickering careers somehow manage to spend the rest of their lives being fine whereas most of us even if we're fairly regularly employed still need another job in three weeks or we die of starvation um but but martin potter sort of had that but then is is still around and has an agent enough to sort of be available to play a supporting part in a doctor who story and you think that's that that's that's the sort of that's that's a really curious hybrid of a career now definitely gonna and i don't know if it will be for this episode but peter benson as bore i think is is probably the best thing about the whole story uh it's a wonderful idiosyncratic performance and of course this is way before he became well known for playing bernie scripps in heartbeat but he was still a known actor he'd, he'd i think he's isn't he he's in he's in one of he's in the henry's of uh, the bbc shakespeare and he's in black adder uh, of course um uh a really interesting actor with a sort of slightly quizzical hauntedness about him uh uh he's um he's sort of slightly cadaverous and yet sort of benign he's like a friendly corpse um lovely actor i once had lunch with him i was doing a shakespeare in the park and uh the the actors were uh, sorry this is a eric saywood script edited story so the character dynamics have to be people hating each other and rowing so uh valgard and arak basically <laughs> spend the whole thing yelling at each other valgard of course is played by andrew burt who is uh wonderful in blake seven the harvest of kairos as uh whatever he's called um uh sexist garage mechanic man uh whatever he is he's he's uh, he calls calls servaland woman doesn't he and she kisses her roughly and she goes that primitive thing you subjected me to i'd like you to do it again because i'm a lady and i like i'm a sexy space lady and i like being dominated by bits of rough and that's what uh, andrew burt was he was also the first j- uh Jack Sugden in Emmerdale Farm. Uh, he then went away and was uh, uh, and, and went and played Gulliver in Gulliver's Travels. Did lots of BBC stuff. Had a very very good career. Andrew Burt, and then latterly was sort of popping up in Alan Partridgey type things, but then became I think like um, Dominic Gard is a child psychologist. He became a psychologist psych- psychologist in in London. Um, he, he emailed me out of the blue. He put, he put something on my website when Rodney Bennett, the director of Mask of Mandragora and Ark in Space and Santaran Experiment, died because Rodney had directed uh, Andrew in some stuff. And, and he said, oh, uh, you know, and, and we had a little bit of a back and forth. And, uh, and I said, oh, it's, it's nice because I, you know, I know your work. But he, 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 I think he never wanted to be interviewed about his acting because he'd put it all behind him which is odd because unlike a lot of people he'd had you know quite a lot of relatively recent credits now i didn't ask him for an interview because i'd already been told that he was reluctant to engage and but he said he'd be he'd be he looked forward to meeting me at rodney's uh memorial service which i never 
eventually made it to and I said I'm so, sorry I'm not going to be able to meet you there and he said oh it'll be lovely to meet you one day and I thought oh well that'd be good so you know maybe uh, convene a meeting and then you know once somebody's realized that you're you're actually all right you know you can then say well can can you do one interview uh, and I was you know I, I was on my sort of list of things to address at some point and then then uh, Andrew Burt uh, died I was quite surprised he, he, he passed away the same year that Peter Benson Ball passed away in the same year that John Waller the fight director of Terminus passed away it was a two or three years ago now it was a bad year for for Terminus the famous moment of Nissa removing her dress I'd read about this uh in Doctor Who magazine and it was sort of talked of and, and Sarah Sutton was asked about it in interviews and the way it was reported at the time you, uh, you would think it was the filthiest thing imaginable it, it is still quite a an, uh, an odd thing I I mean I, I suppose she's removing her skirt because she's quite hot I suppose and she's got this petticoat thing underneath it is it is quite an, an odd moment um but it was certainly talked about an awful lot. Um, I don't. I don't have an awful lot to say about it. What? It's quite static, isn't it? And poor old Dominic Gar's just having to sort of stand there and slightly look away. That's just, that's just, well, well, a very slow robot makes somebody in a petticoat amble away, crying at him plaintively. Um, yes, quite static. Um, I do like the sort of makeup on the 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 veneer. Martin Potter. Uh, looks a bit like Dracula, doesn't he? He could have, been, he would have been a good Dracula, actually. He's got that sort of, uh, sort of haunted, dead youth thing about him. Um, I, th I think Andrew Burt's a, a, a lovely actor, anyway. A very nice, gruff uh, actor that that brings realism to to everything he does. But ev everyone's a bit. It's a hard sell, though, isn't it? And this Tim Munro playing Sigurd. Uh, is one of the bandits in Creature from the Pit. So his Doctor Who career straddles Creature from the Pit and Terminus. Uh, still about. He was an episode of Casualty or Holby City, directed by Steve Hughes, who directed uh, um, uh, the the one in the department store with James Corden. Um, that, that's closing time. Um, and I remember saying, Steve, oh, you cast Tim Munro, who's he was in some Doctor Who's. Because um, I met Steve Hughes at a convention. Um uh, uh, I, I mean, I, I sort of like the, the dour thing about, you know, this is this is downbeat and a bit depressing is uh, is, you know, I can I can see what they're going for, but it's quite a hard sell for the drama in something that's already set in a grey spaceship um, where there's lots of people who are ill. Um, and then the people who are looking after the ill people are all a bit miserable and hate each other. The people who live in the TARDIS are suspicious of each other and hate each other. Um, uh, Dom Dominic Guard's a space pirate who's really sad. Um, so you're sort of aching to get Peter Davison and Lisa Goddard back into it. And, and the strange man with the moustache, uh, Peter Benson, uh, who's not in this episode again, I think. Now. Oh, and of course, um, they they live... They, they have... They're, are they addicted to this drug? Is that what it is? Or is it's the thing that... It's the bittersweet taste of life. 
thanks. Uh, it's, it's also the lighting equipment from the planet Frontios. It's basically uh, somebody invented some luminous gel and people who made science fiction for the BBC went, well, it's, that looks quite futuristic, even though you can now get it in shops. Um, uh, poor, that's, that's a hard thing to ask an actor to do. Yes, Andrew, what you have to do is you have to completely drop your guard and look really closely at that thumb and she's then going to slightly shove you. <laughs> and your armour is going to clatter because it's actually made of plastic. Uh, but, I, you know, I can see what they're going for with the veneer costumes, which are a nice design, uh, very sort of skeletal. Um, again, if, that, if, this, if this was sort of all on film and shadowy, uh, it would be... Oh, it would be ominous. I think we have a close-up of a wall here, don't we? Yeah. Let's not follow the lift down. Let's make the camera go up and look and close in on the wall. Oh, some stairs. Ah, uh, oh, boot shot, boot porn. I love these boots. That's great. Uh, I th they are sexy boots. I like boots. Um, I like wearing boots. I'm not tall or elegant enough to carry them off, but there's something empowering about having quite high boots. Although now at my age, I've been wearing compression socks uh, to jog with. And, and getting those off is a production number. I'm sp I wish I could sort of do it in stages. Well, I sort of do. I roll them down, and then I then I bend forward, then I point them around the ankle, and then I need a rest. So um, I, I I know that uh, boots may look kinky. Boots may may uh, yeah. It's all very well being kinky, but actually the practicality of getting them on and off is no kinky matter. Uh, it's 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 quite a laborious exercise that frankly leaves you too puffed out to be remotely kinky uh, betwixt uh, addition and removal um yeah so uh, well, i don't know what bore's off to do he said the reading's still climbing so there's um i, I have to confess i don't really know what happens in terminus particularly um uh well i mean i i've as I said, you know i've probably seen it a good What's the average I've seen a Doctor Who story? What's the average you've seen a Doctor Who story? I would say I've, you know, I've seen this a good ten to fifteen times, which is probably the it's amongst the least that I've seen a a classic Doctor Who story. Certainly one of my least watched, but I would still say you know that numbers, you know numbers probably between eight and twelve maybe. Um, the Garm, I now I rather like the Garm. I I the red eyes don't work somebody's gone let's make it look alive and we can't have eyes that open or close we can't have practical eyes so bung a couple of bulbs in because that makes it look alive but it also makes it look a bit bit phony but i i i i i think having a giant dog thing is is okay and he's quite sweet um played by an rj bell i saw in uh the the he's in the green man playing a sort of an american academic and i think he was american or canadian the actor who plays the the garm um so so yeah so poor old N oh that's because nissa's cut her thumb hasn't she so she's she's dripping blood um which means that the doctor and kari have to follow her around the corridor um um so um yes am i and i and and this is this is quite sort of intelligent plotting in the sense that you know it's 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 this medical facility where of course you would sterilize the place 
before carrying out any procedures so that that adds to a little bit of of jeopardy um the the, the leper colony iconography is but again it's quite to, to, to add to the arguing viking people skeletal skeleton viking tired vampire guards and then you've got the sort of sack sack wearing um ill people uh <laughs> and the sad space pirate um you're you, you are that's a nice nicely lit there though actually um but there, there are a lot of corridors and ventilation shafts in this uh this period of uh of doc two that's nice i like a i like a a, a a a descending door that people have to to uh sort of dive underneath and that's a nice change in lighting state there's not an awful lot of time spent the doctor hasn't actually had an awful lot to do and you sort of think you know davison is a great strength of his era and i wonder if there's there's not enough oomph in this episode so far because actually davison is very good at corridor acting because he'll go the wrong way or he'll can you know he'll 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 give it a bit of thought before nearly heading in one direction and heading in the other or he'll give it a bit of speed as he as he leaves the scene and comes into it he's got that breathlessness and you know he's he's worth his weight in gold uh, actually Peter Davison but but he's not been able to do much of that I don't know if it's, they've been told not to move too quickly lest the, lest the set fall to bits um, uh, but but I can you know you can see the aesthetic that they're going for which is grim and doom laden and sort of murky and sweaty and grimy and diseased and that could I, you know I, I think you could see this story being done now and 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 really working and being uh, especially you you could tighten it up a bit so it's 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 not necessarily an ill thought out uh vibe to go for um i i i just think it, it it's they they yeah they 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 aren't quite they aren't quite pulling it off i'm supposed to be accentuating the positive i don't i don't mind it I, as i say i like I like the story idea. I think it's novel. I, I I like all of the things that they're going for. I just wish they'd had a bit more success, maybe tying it all together. Because because the you know a lot of the ingredients are absolutely right. Um, the the you know the veneer, as I say, look great. They look even better on film, which has a veneer, um, and they're all played by good actors. Uh, and and I you know I'm intrigued by this setup what you know what is the company doing what what you know what what's the story behind the the curing of the of of the the lazar disease and this this sort of setup that they have um now i i remember this of course because this is the first bit of this i saw because it's the recap uh for in episode three which i of course saw which was so exciting i loved half term uh i feel i've been a bit hard on terminus whilst whilst I, th I, I think i needed to acknowledge it you know early on i you know i i, I enjoy this episode I, I i i i'm sucked into it i find it uh i find the dynamic interesting i find the setup very interesting i'm just i'm just trying to account maybe for why 
you know, no, I, no, nobody seems to truly love Terminus, and so I have to acknowledge that and sort of look look for reasons. And uh, I think I found quite a few. Remyad Farazin is a is a fine and uh, 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 very accomplished uh, film cameraman. Um, oh, these names: uh, Alec Wheel and Scott Talbot, D. Robson, Joan Stribling. Uh, I mean, these these are names I committed to memory as a youngster. Uh, right, so I think didn't Dick Coles do Underworld as well? Oh my God! So I think I think Tim Monroe's going. I was in Creature from the Pit, and this Dick Coles is going. It's nothing, mate. I had to design Underworld and this. <laughs> um, so, what's my favourite thing about episode two? Would it be? Would it be wrong? to say Olvia's boots would that be bad uh I mean I'm gonna throw Peter Benson in there but he's only in one scene in that episode uh and he and he gets his great stuff to do later but my worry is that Lawrence will choose him now which means that I can't choose him later there's a bit of there's, there's a lot of tactics in this but I think I don't see how Lawrence can choose Peter Benson and bore this early uh i do like the look of martin potter as well i do like the fact that he is a he he does look like he could be in a sort of 70s vampire film directed by an italian you know a 70s version of dracula d d directed by an italian film director who you know who not only wanted his vampires to be beautiful but he thought his dracula was especially beautiful and so he would film him in a bath um i, I just, just created a whole film there um and i like i'm just lo always liked andrew burt as an actor um and I, 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 everyone hates his episode of Blake Seven as well. And I, I think it's glorious, and I think he's glorious in it. Um, uh, but um, Dominic Garn's boots. Am I going to go for? Am I going to be facetious? I did like that shot of the boots. And as I say, one of my main memories of this story is feet go down steps. Uh, I don't care. I'm going to go. He, he chose. Lawrence chose Lisa Goddard's helmet last week. I'm choosing Dominic Gard's boots. Uh, <laughs> that's my favourite thing for episode two. What's Lawrence Clark's favourite thing for episode two of Terminus? And he might choose three. And if one of those is the boots, I'm having the point. Part two, then. And <laughs> we're both going to get the same one, aren't we? Because part nine... Highlight of part two has to be Nissa taking off her skirt for no apparent reason other than she feels a little bit hot. Um, uh, and then the doctor readily recognises the plain grey skirt, which could be anyone's, but he instantly knows that's Nissa's. I also love the fact that Nissa handily wears an underskirt. The only other person I know that wears an underskirt is my mum. Um, but then maybe, maybe I haven't been paying enough attention to what, what women wear <laughs> under their skirts. 
Um, do, do people quite own the skirts anymore? Um, oh, and also this service and amazing acting at being dragged off by the drone robots. Um, yeah, you got to love that. Um, I I wouldn't call I call I think they were called petticoats. People wore petticoats when I was younger. I, am I from the Victorian times? But petticoats were a thing. Um, I, I'm not sure if people wore them under mini skirts, um, which is what Nissa's wearing. But I mean, it's a good job she was because you wouldn't you wouldn't have her wandering around in her pants. Um, I suppose I should have thought to choose that because it is a it is a momentous moment. It's probably the most talked about thing about terminus and i did try to discuss it in the episode but i'm i'm slightly perplexed by it because i it's it's is is it there did because the way it's sort of discussed afterwards is like oh it's that moment but you go but they didn't go we need a moment here where nissa takes her skirt off so i suspect it probably just came a bit organically did it where they went oh nissa t- takes off a piece of her clothing but it it just seems it just seems odd which you know which was the chicken and which was the egg uh, uh, and, and the fact that it then gained so much traction afterwards i just think it's a slightly bizarre and perplexing moment and i'm you know i'm i'm because uh, it's not it's not a it's not a sexy moment is it because pretty much what she's wearing underneath is the same length and covers up the same amount of her as what she takes off. So I find that a bit odd if people go, oh, oh crikey, she's removed a layer to show another layer that's a slightly different colour underneath. So, I, yeah, I'm I'm perplexed by the skirt removing moment. I suppose you had to be there. And by the time I got to see it, I'd already you know had it built up as this great big talking point. And I just saw it and went, oh, is that it? Okay, well, okay. It's just the same as her taking a jacket off, really. Just just a bit lower down. Um, but it is it is the the most famous part of the episode. Somehow it's managed to overshadow Olivia's boots. Um, but look, there's plenty in that. I think it's intriguing. I think it's original. Um, I think it's its intent is 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 good to do something different with the Doctor Who format I think for, the forces are working against it and so that makes me sort of side with it a little bit because sometimes when you try and do something a little bit different um, or try and stretch the format of Doctor Who it really pays off and sometimes things just don't work in your favour but that's not necessarily your fault uh, and as I say I'm a big fan of Stephen Gallagher um, and you know I'm, I'm rooting for Mary Ridge it's her only Doctor Who and she's dead uh, and uh, I, you know, I, I, I wanted to have a slightly more of a legacy than we had to start shooting it live, which I think happens at some point, doesn't it? With Terminus, uh, they they pretty much did it as live before the lights went off at ten o'clock, um, which probably was more frantic and had more pace than the story itself. Anyway, I'm it's you know I'd still I'd still be entertained watching it of a Sunday afternoon, you know, if I didn't have to talk through it. Which I know takes a little bit away from it. Um, I, you know, I've certainly had pleasant times. As I say, I only really had parts two to four, um, but but that's but so I find part one a, a slightly undiscovered country and a little bit of an interesting curio, and I like the fact there are parts of Doctor Who that are still like that for me. So yeah, I, it's all right, Terminus. I'm rooting for you. I'm 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 
I'm hoping you it starts to come together for you. Um, and that will hopefully happen in part three, which was the episode I got to see at half term. So for a very long while, part three of this alongside Ark of Infinity were the only bits of season 20 I saw, which uh, resulted in the, being a great hole in the centre of my universe. But uh, fortunately, I live in a happier time and place now, and I hope uh, that these blatherings of mine find you in one too. And until the next time, goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock, and my special guest, Lawrence Clark, who can be found on Twitter at Lawrence underscore Clark. Lawrence with a U, Clark without an E, as in not Venezuela. Thanks ever so much to patrons who make these broadcasts possible. I'm going to mention some of them now. Dave Owen, Matthew Newton, Nathan Moore, Stuart Mitchell, Rossa McPhillips, John McClay, David Matthewman, Nathan Martin, Gavin McLean, James Lark, Guy Lambert, Clive Lewis, Ashley Knight, Andrew Jordan, Jessica Jones, Dave Hoskin, Lisa C. Greco, James Gould, Gary Gillett, John Ellidge, Mark Dakin, John Curley, Richard Chalk, Andy Case, and Paul Carnahan. The music for these podcasts is by Dave Gates, and the podcast artwork by Dylan Patterson. So, Toby, how can you make your Patreon plug less repetitive? because you've done it quite a few times now, even though you're sure that nobody actually listens to this bit. Well, Toby, I think what I'd do is I'd say people can get extra material, bonus releases, uh, interactivity, uh, and stuff that comes out well in advance of when you're listening to this. So if you're listening to this now, and you're not a patron, now could have been, ooh, four months ago. Imagine that. Oh, that sounds good, Toby. Does, does it cost much? Well, I mean, tiers go up to, I mean, as high as you want, really. There's no limit, but uh, they start from as little as £3 a month. £3 a month, I mean... That's that's cheaper than some Tupperware. And I, all the Tupperware does is languish at the back of the cupboard because I can't find the lid for it. Well, I think you're buying the wrong Tupperware, but that's not a conversation for right now because Tupperware aside, you can uh, you could also get a 10% discount on that £3 a month if you sign up for a year in advance. You commit to a year, you commit to a year, you get a 10% discount. Am I really going to want to commit? Yes. Oh, okay. Why did you... Uh, put a note of caution in that this is a plug well i'm sorry i thought i was supposed to throw you questions and then you could text i am you i'm you this is so contrived i know i'm just trying to make an advertisement interesting well i think you failed thanks very much so what if i was to say an alternative to patreon is ko-fi which is ko-fi.com forward slash toby where you can just give money at any point at any amount if you like a particular broadcast or um, just feel particularly well inclined to the person in this case Toby Haydock which is me talking to you and who who is who is also Toby Haydock you made a bit of a meal of it but I like the humility uh, anything else well I think we should say that people don't have to pay money it's much appreciated because you are a self-employed artist that sound i hate the way you say look i i didn't i don't think you, don't say you hate the way i say it as if it's something i always say but it's it's because i think people may think that 
you've got a steady income stream because you seem to be always doing stuff. Ah, what? They don't realize that you're always doing stuff like this that doesn't actually pay money unless people actually pay for it. Yeah, but you're laying it on a bit thick now. Okay, so if the money thing is not a thing, because it's not a thing, you know, you, you do it for the joy. I, I do do it for the joy. I've actually swapped characters. I was I was the humble one and now I'm going on the attack. I, I do do it for the joy, but I've got children to feed and educate. Right, yeah, we have got a sort of Jekyll and Hyde thing going on, but, but Jekyll and I'd have kind of swapped hats. Uh, it was actually, yeah. Anyway, shall we get out of this? I think we should. But before we do, we haven't mentioned the thing that people could do for free, have we? Oh, no, that's absolutely right. They can go to iTunes or wherever dispenses the podcasts that they listen to and rate five stars. Five stars is really important. Gets us to the top of the tree. Us being just me and you, we're one person. It sounds like you're doing a royal thing. Oh, that's very true. Well, us as this group of podcasts. No, all right, me. To the top of the tree uh, and any lines of review means that people have something to read, which improves the algorithms, improved algorithms, improves visibility, improves visibility. Uh, uh, improved visibility means that more people are likely to come across these if they're casually scouring the internet for Doctor Who content and then they will find this and then hopefully they'll listen to it and enjoy it. Uh, they won't enjoy this bit. That's okay. It's at the very end. They can press stop and not miss. They probably have already. You're, you're howling at the moon, Toby. But Stephen Moffat's listening. Stephen Moffat listens to this. Yeah, I won't mention it. It's a, it's a different Stephen. No offence to the Stephen Moffat who listens. I don't mean you're you're a different Stephen Moffat. To, but you are a different Stephen Moffat to the Doctor Who. Well, the, you know the the doc, not the Doctor Who Stephen Moffat because you're a Stephen Moffat who li- likes Doctor Who. But you're not you're not that Steve. You're not the Stephen Moffat that people might think of when I say Stephen Moffat. No, I can't I can't be him now. I still I just hope he's nodding along. Even he might have switched off now and he listens right to the end. Poor man has. This was an attempt to make this this plugging bit a bit more interesting, and all it's actually done is make it longer. Yes, I know. Are you regretting it? Yeah, but not enough to do something else because I've, I've, I've committed now and uh, I don't have to do it all over again. All right. Patreon, Kofi, ratings. Please please do all, all those. I never want to hear from you again and I never want to hear from you either. Goodbye. Bye. I think that was longer than the episode commentary. Sorry, I, I've just realised that and when I was doing that, I did actually face in a different direction depending on which, which person I was being. I didn't bother with trying to do different voices. Uh, anyway, follow me on Twitter at Toby Haydock, these podcasts at Haydock Podcasts, and check out my comedy night, Excess Malarkey, which is in Manchester every Tuesday night and online on the first Sunday of every month. Sorry, Stephen, who who might not even be listening now. Sorry.